0: Welcome to the 10 Years Out Podcast. I'm your host, Sam, and it is my 10 years out. That is how long I have been out. I identify as queer, and my pronouns are she, her. And today, I have a new friend with me, Nancy Shadlock. Hi, Nancy. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Mm-hmm. Happy to be here. All right. So, preliminary questions What are your pronouns? How do you identify? And how long have you been out? Uh, my pronouns are she,
1: her. Sometimes I play with they, eh, Today I will use she, her. Okay. And I identify as queer and i've been out you made me have to get my fingers out <laughs> here. i think it's eight years so i'm, nice. I'm hot, hot on your tail okay
0: good i hope you're celebrating it every year i should yeah
1: and i will i will make a point of doing that it's november so I'll, I'll
0: do okay that. yep it can be thanksgiving it can be queer thanksgiving there we go <laughs> <laughs> all right and what do we need to know about who you are and your story um before we talk about what you've learned since coming out um
1: i was raised very evangelical christian professional christian i like to say my parents were missionaries so i grew up in kenya uh, for part of the time mk yeah so yeah that was like a big part of my growing up and a big part of what kept me in the closet until i was 33 yeah and you know I went through and got my master's a master of arts and spiritual formation and help people pay attention to where the divine is showing up in their lives and um I was very involved in my church in Vancouver and on the board and leading worship and doing all the things and so Mm -hmm. that's kind of the context that my coming out came out of so I don't know how far into that to go without your other questions but
0: um when you came out at 33 had you realized like long before that that you weren't straight
1: yeah I probably my first inkling came in about grade five or six I remember watching the news and seeing this kid getting bullied at school because he was gay and I was like what if that happens to me and I kind of like had this moment of panic and and I was like, that's weird. Why would you think that? Like, And kind of pushed it down, even though I was quite tomboyish growing up. Um, but I just kind of kept pushing it down. And then it kind of reared up again in grade 12. I was reading Philip Yancey's book, What's So Amazing About Grace? Okay. And in there, there's a chapter on this pastor named Mel White. And oh, he was yeah. coming out and lost his whole family and his job as a pastor and all these things and I was like gripped with this fear and I was like what if that happens to me because at that point I already knew I wanted to be in kind of ministry of some sort okay but I had no idea that there you could have a path of coming out and authentically being in ministry or something and so I just like I was gripped with fear I actually wrote Philip Yancey
0: yeah and he wrote me back it was amazing did you come out to him like well I said
1: I read this and I got really scared and I think I might be gay and Mm. and he wrote me and said like thank you for sharing this is there anyone in your community right there that you could talk Mm. to about this I was like good answer but that's the harder thing to do Philip right (laughs) so I did dare to talk to my youth pastor about it and she basically said like this and this and this are the scriptures that say it's wrong so we'll just pray it away and I did. And that was the path that you went down. Yeah. till you were 33. Yeah. What happened at 33? Well, at that point I had, you know, I'd been part of this very progressive church in Vancouver, Canada, that um, had been wrestling through the scriptures of like, about if it's okay to be gay and if that was maybe mistranslated and different things. And so I started to, to look at it in a different way and like i was scared to read them i was scared to read the things that said actually it's okay to be gay and i was like what? i don't know if that's allowed and i don't know if i can live that but there was also some you know elder elder gays in the church that i could look up to and see that they were you know these two women living a beautiful life together and serving in the church and being you know respected and i was like oh that's different. Okay, mm-hmm. this is possible. So it gave me like some windows of possibility. And then I built a tiny house, and <laughs> I couldn't find anywhere in Vancouver to park it. And so I started asking people in Calgary, where, I'm, where I grew up, which Calgary is um, kind of like Texas of the north. Okay. And, <laughs> um, so quite <laughs> conservative, and but lots of space. So space was fine. So right away, someone was like, yeah, park your tiny house here. So I moved to Calgary, which is like a 12 hour drive away. And there was something about being anonymous and in this new world that helped me feel like, okay, maybe I can explore this a bit more. And, you know, by that time I had this master's and my master's, I had done a practicum in spiritual direction, which is Mm -hmm. like one-on-one supportive listening with people. And so I was like, if I'm going to sit and listen with people to the divine in their lives, I can't be like pushing this one side of myself away. And so it's like, I really have to look at this and live authentically who I am mm-hmm. so that I can, you know, do my practice authentically. And um, it was super scary because I was like, I'm going to lose all of my clients because they're all from the church basically. Mm-hmm. And, if, you know, if they believe that if I live my gay life, I'm not listening to God, then they're not going to respect me to come and help them hear from God or different things. And so that was super scary, but kind of between the anonymity of living in a new space. And then I went to a friend's wedding in Mexico and she was marrying a woman. And (laughs) there's this moment at the, at the all-inclusive, these guys came in they're like, how many lesbians are there at this lesbian wedding? And, someone was like oh I guess and so the guy started going around the circle They <laughs> went to our friend and she's an Anglican priest and she's got long brown hair and they're like no <laughs> she's like yeah actually my girlfriend's waiting for me back home <laughs> and they go to our friend who's got short blonde hair she's a hairdresser and they're like oh yeah yeah and She's like, "No, my husband and kids are waiting for me back home, and
0: I love like... this game. <laughs> <laughs> and
1: then they come to me, and I'm like
0: panicking.
1: <laughs> like, what are they going to say? And they were like, "I don't know." And I blurted out, "I don't know either <laughs> <It's> <laughs> moment of like confession. And like from then on, it was like out in the world in the ethers that I was wondering about this. <laughs> and kind of from then on, I really like looked at it and realize like I I have my motorcycle license and I would like to ride motorcycles more often, but I don't because I'm scared people will think I'm a dyke.
0: Oh. and
1: I want to have a funky asymmetrical haircut, but mm. I don't because people might think I'm a lesbian and mm-hmm. so I like realized there was all these ways that I was living small, even though I like profess to live this big brand life and right. usually in most areas of my life I don't let anything stop me but in this one area i was like very confined and so i realized i it was time i had to come out of the closet
0: yeah cuz once you once you even opened that lid i mean it would release it would release everything it would release the haircut it would release the motorcycle riding it would release all of the freedom that you were trying so hard to keep in
1: yeah. and it would you know counteract this I was like dating, online dating with all these men, like it was my job, like really seriously trying to find this man to marry and and it was just never fitting. Even like, you know, these beautiful men who one was a lawyer and very stable, had a house and like all these things was really into me. And I was like, nah, (laughs) like why, why not him? He'd be great, but no. yeah in
0: the back of your mind it's like i just got to find the right just got to find the right man just got to find the right man (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm.
0: no Mm -hmm. okay so what have you learned since coming out
1: (laughs) it's a very big question my friend (laughs) yeah how do you break that one down Mm -hmm. i think what i told you in the in the pre-interview was like that i've really come to see that it, coming out is a universal process in in many ways like anyone who's growing there's a new layer of us that we're shedding and we have to share ourselves with the world and so mm-hmm. whether that's you know someone that's getting a divorce they have to share that with the world And if it's i'm changing my career or i'm quitting my job or i'm coming out as gay or I'm coming out as trans like it's always this like scary thing and yes there's different levels of how scary that is and I don't want to minimize people's experience and you know take over this term like coming out but I also want people to build empathy amongst each other to know that you can understand someone better if you if you can look at something in your own life where you've had to come out about something and you can have a lot more empathy for someone who's going through that coming out experience and so that's been cool to to learn and see and it's what I've focused on in my podcast the coming out chronicles is interviewing people to hear all kinds of coming out stories so that we can really understand each other and And hear someone who's yeah maybe further along on the journey and and realize like okay with that coming out there's so much life that comes and
0: okay so your podcast isn't just about um lgbt coming out
1: no not only it it is majority that but there is some people coming out about um domestic abuse Mm. or coming out about being a sex therapist or coming out about You know all kinds of different things because it is it's a growing experience and I'm someone who's always wanting to be growing and so you know every I feel like every season I have some new coming out that I need to share with the Mm -hmm. world and so in some ways it's funny to me to be like oh yeah I'm eight years out (laughs) but I'm like two minutes out in other things in my life so um yeah, kind of this, like, perpetual coming out.
0: So you feel like that would increase compassion and understanding amongst humans if mm-hmm. they, if we could all relate to this one coming out experience, regardless of what we're coming out about? hmm I think so. Yeah, I feel like compassion grows anytime you recognize each other's humanity.
1: Mm-hmm
0: and compassion shrinks when you start seeing people as less than human. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. Just this other, Mm -hmm. you can't understand. And why would they want to wear, why would a man want to wear a dress and go read stories to children? Like this, this whole thing that's going on right now, of you know, so much trans hate and it's, I think it's a matter of not understanding each other and not even being willing to try. And mm-hmm. so that's been a lot of my my hope is to help people understand how to bridge that gap and and see that there's there's ways that all of us are different than the norm or what we were raised to believe. And when we can see that in each other, we can have more empathy and understanding.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it reminds me what you were saying a little bit ago about how you were afraid to even read the affirming literature mm-hmm. when you were first coming to terms with who you were. Um, I, think, I think some of the anti-trans people are afraid to even meet and talk to trans people because mm-hmm. at the point you open the book like you're risking your paradigm shifting you're risking what you believe being proven wrong or realizing that there are different ways of seeing things or realizing that that is another human across from you who has just as valid of a story as you do
1: yeah and as soon as they become human Mm -hmm. then it's it's really hard to just throw dogma and like when you actually let yourself get to know someone then it, it becomes a human and in my experience anyone who's like very dogmatic in the church or different things once one of their kids comes out or some somehow it becomes personal then their their dogma and beliefs change
0: Yep. Yeah.
1: somebody had told me when I first came out that time heals a lot of things and in some ways it feels like a pat answer or something but I really have seen that, that the relationships that feel damaged when when I came out or different things, like when some time has passed now that I look at it eight years back, I can see, yeah, like time has healed some things and not pushing people to be accepting or engaging right away, but letting things happen. And there's still people in my life that I don't have anymore because I'm gay Um, which is sad, but I'm, I'm okay with that. Like the ones that I feel really help and engage with me in my life are the ones that are affirming. And that's, that's where I stay.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's something that I learned after coming out is that everyone is going to have a different reaction to my story and I'm not going to be able to force anyone's reaction Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to be able to force anyone to change what they think or what they believe. I can choose to still be in their lives and wait patiently to see if anything changes. Uh, or I can choose to not be in their lives. Or they might choose to not be in my life. You know, there are a variety of of things. But the last thing that I can control is what they believe and what they accept and that's just a, yeah, I've seen that process of time, um, in multiple relationships in my life since coming out and the evolution of their thought and their mm-hmm. belief changing over, over the last 10 years of my journey. And I didn't do anything. I just like stuck around. <laughs> Lived your life. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It was like if I did anything, it was passive, you know, it was just being visible.
1: Yeah. Well, hopefully, they realize that the person that they loved of who you are before you came out was the same person that you are now. And mm-hmm. like the essence of you had not changed.
0: Yep. I hope they learn that. <laughs> <laughs> but they're not on this podcast so I can't ask them what they've learned since I came out <laughs> although I think that would also be interesting like if that I had my cool. my mom on and like some of my closest friends mm-hmm. maybe that'll be a follow-up podcast what one. <laughs> <laughs> if
1: one like been like for them in the last 10 years because uh-huh. I think that's that's a big experience in some of my work I help parents of queer folks or parents of trans kids to know like how to process their own emotions and feels around it because sometimes that it's a coming out for them too of like how how did their world change because their kid changed how oh they were yeah,
0: totally. I bet my mom could say a lot about that mm-hmm. <laughs> okay so what else what else have you learned since you've come out that you want to talk about?
1: being raised Christian, there's certain rules that we follow and certain ones that I'm okay to break from my Christian upbringing. And, and I'm leaning into the ways that queer folks just break all the rules in some ways and like um, live outside of the boxes of the norms. And um, I was just chatting with my therapist about that this week about like getting stuck sometimes in this is the way relationships need to happen or this is the way things need to be and it's it doesn't have to like for instance I came out and I started dating and I got married and I had kids and I just like followed the same kind of rules that i was raised with Mm -hmm. as a christian kid and like even to the point of not wanting to live together until we were married and gotcha even though we had sleepovers and stuff but it was like interesting that these are these certain rules that i didn't want to do and then you know when when we got to a point where we realized it wasn't working separating and again like somehow it was okay in my in my mind to get divorced um, even though my like super Christian upbringing might have said otherwise, and then now like branching even wider into like longing for this big family mm-hmm. rather than just like these tiny nuclear families that mm-hmm. we all break off into. And so, you know, like having I'm exploring the ideas of like having a female partner, having a male partner, having friends that come and and hang out with my kids and me and all these people that maybe we live together, maybe we don't. And just like really living into the fullness of queer expression of life. And Mm -hmm. that feels really freeing and juicy and hard sometimes, but also so life-giving. And I think what so much of the world is craving, because there is so much isolation, isolation and loneliness yeah, in our world and so I think the more that we can just like bring our people together and and create these like posses that mm-hmm. take care of each other and interact with each other it just feels really exciting to me and really like okay like let's throw all these boxes out the window because a lot of the times they're not working for mm-hmm. anyone really and so yeah, more and more of leaning into letting go of my constraints that I maybe was raised with and don't necessarily agree with now. And mm-hmm. and not to say that I, I reject my Christian upbringing, because like, I, I do appreciate that I was raised with a spirituality and I appreciate that that was my path to spirituality. And I feel like there's like so much more. And so many other ways to to connect with the divine, and that feels way more vibrant and alive to me now. Mm-hmm.
0: The phrase queering life comes to mind. Yeah, breaking out of the norms in all different areas. Mm-hmm. Living fully, even if it's even if it's outside of the box or the quote unquote normal. Mm-hmm. What is normal?
1: Right, because we've already like broken through so many things to be queer. So it's Mm -hmm. like, why not break out of the mold in these (laughs) other (laughs) areas?
0: I think that's why a lot of people get intimidated. Because, yeah, yeah, queers are kind of like punks. Once you once you break out of uh, out of one stereotype or out of one like set of rules, like oftentimes they just keep going. And then it gets like too extreme for a lot of the mainstream. And they're like, no, those are the crazy people. <laughs> we don't want to be like them. But it would be nice to have a good balance of uh of queering life. Like an acceptance to be able to queer life
1: um i want to hear how are you queering your life
0: uh-huh well uh so a a big dream of mine is to have like this commune it, mm-hmm. not like a cult commune but just like of this community of this chosen family that you're talking about and mm-hmm. um living maybe not in the same house But in the same vicinity, the same neighborhood, I mean, the same house would be like ultimate. Um, But yeah, having this family of people who are doing, you know, their own different things and they're living, they're loving whoever they want. Some might have kids, some might not have kids, but you're like supporting each other and you're committed to helping each other and living life with each other and raising each other's kids and um I just love this idea of like like I feel like towns and maybe small towns used to be back in the day where like Mm -hmm. it takes a village to raise a child but like it takes a village to raise a person
1: (laughs) yes do you have people on board with this vision with you in your
0: vicinity not yet
1: now well, maybe now that they're hearing this podcast
0: you know yeah. they'll, they'll be
1: like yes i want that too yep cuz i want that but i'm in canada and you're, <laughs> where are you
0: well i'm in west virginia but um canada seems uh much m- much better a lot of the times than the us <laughs> well come on over I have, more we'll faith. I have more faith in canada being around longer than the us at this point <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, see. um how else am I queering my life I am trying to I don't know I'm trying to live into my artistic expression which doesn't necessarily have to be queering I mean it doesn't necessarily have to be abnormal but I do feel like a lot of artists are kind of abnormal <laughs>
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And in order to see like life in a, in an artistic way or, or express it or interpret it or see beauty in certain things, um, you do have to be kind of weird. And so I'm trying to learn how to um, make art just for art's sake and for my sake mm-hmm. instead of also doing it for other people instead of wanting validation from other people. So I'm trying to queer my life by just making art for me.
1: And is that um, like visual art or I see a guitar in the background. Do you do music too?
0: Yeah, music, um, visual art. um, I'm, I'm trying to draw and use watercolors more, even though I'm not very good at it. I still really enjoy it and I just love the expression of it and just love creating. So baking, gardening, that kind of stuff. Yeah, I just have this problem with wanting validation. (laughs) If I create something, I want people to love it and I want people to share it and I need to not care so much about that.
1: (laughs) My partner and I were talking about this moments before the podcast Yeah, about that external validation versus mm-hmm. the internal validation. And yeah. is there, do you have to just get it all from inside or is it okay to get some external validation? And that's a hard
0: question. Yeah, I think it's probably a mix of things, but I think I rely too much on the external validation and not enough on the internal validation. Mm-hmm. Okay, so. What do you wish people understood?
1: I wish that people understood that we used a sperm donor, not who's the dad. Oh, That's a question I get a lot. And I also wish that people understood that both of the children are my children, mm. even though I only carried one. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, yeah, that's been an interesting thing that I feel like heteronormative practices you know would say oh each of you just split with one kid but no like they're both my children and yeah I'm in love with both of them
0: <laughs> yeah that's interesting that's something no one has said yet on the podcast what else do you wish people yeah. understood
1: that there's not just like one person that wears the pants in the family and mm. that again in like querying a family and a relationship I think that a lot of people could take some some notes from how queer couples do it because it's more strength-based and just like who's good at these jobs, who's good at these jobs, who wants to take on this and dividing the, the household things that way rather than just like these are blue jobs, these are pink jobs. and Right. Um, just working to strengths.
0: I love that. I heard this interesting thing by Brene Brown day before yesterday. She was talking about how she and her husband show up to their partnership. And she was saying that it's never 50 50. It's never like one person is giving 50% and one person is giving the other person is giving 50%. It's always like you try to make it, you try to make the couple get to 100%. But You know, that might mean one person has 80% and one person has 20. One person has 40, one person has 60. One person has 75, one person has 15, you know? And that's fine when it does equal to 100, right? That's the ideal. It, the problem comes when both people are are less than 100. And so one person can't make up the difference. And so she was like... That's when you have to sit down and discuss, okay, how are we going to make sure that uh, we are both cared for and that the things that we have to do are taken care of without hurting each other? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like this, I have never heard anybody talk about partnership like this. Um, and Brene Brown does a lot of revolutionary speaking about relationships and especially the relationship with yourself but i love this idea of partnership like that because in in her definition like one person wouldn't be wearing the pants it would totally be like one person might wear the pants one time but the other person wears it the next time and so it's very much a, a more healthy give and take you know of a partnership than just you do the finances because you're the boy <laughs> If you could go back to your past self, what would you say to her?
1: You are who you are all the time. You are who you are and you are lovely and loved and lovable and everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to be better than you can even imagine. You can't even believe all the things that you can do and you will do. And that feels really exciting to hear. I'm like, lighting up now yeah doing my old self tell my young self this yeah. in my body
0: <laughs> yeah big smile on your face mm-hmm. what do you think that would have changed if you had believed that heard that and believed it back then
1: I think I would have been braver sooner yeah and I hope it will inspire me now to be brave in the, the big and the hard things that I still need to do that feel too scary to do yeah but to know like Everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to work out even better than you can imagine.
0: Do you have a quote or song lyric that you would like to send us out on like a benediction of sorts?
1: Okay, I'm going to sing on the podcast. Yes. I'm headed to Brandy Carlisle this weekend. (gasps) I'm so excited. Randy Carlyle and the High Women, in fact. Yes. And so oh. this is their song, which you we'll get speak all of them. But we were we were just talking about I want a house with a crowded table where there's room by the fire for
0: everyone. Yeah. That's my dream. Yes. Round of applause. thank you that was great thank you so much for coming on nancy and especially singing us that benediction (laughs) that was awesome
1: thanks for having me it was fun to chat with you
0: all right to all you listeners out there make sure to set your tables this week because (laughs) we're coming over you never know who's going to show up you never know (laughs) all right bye bye
1: the bean of the wind, the bean the wind,